0: Welcome to Cornerstone College of Ministries podcast. I'm Blake Brown, the college pastor at Stillwater Bible Church. You're joining us for our semester study of Philippians. So we're in Philippians, right? Um, So real quick, before we get started, who is someone that you look up to for how well they can do a job or a particular thing, right? Uh, So think about that or how well they live in a certain area of their life. Think about that. Think about someone, maybe the, the example, and then talk about it with those around you for like 30 seconds, plus 30 seconds. I was going to say a minute, and then I actually say 30 seconds. So, for a minute, all right? So, someone that you look up to for a certain way they do a certain thing or a certain area of their life to live well, talk to those, two the people around you, and go. <laughs> Okay, all right, come back together, come back together, all right. So um, we're going to see Paul ask the Philippians to observe people who do well in the Christian life this morning. Um, and so uh, last week what we saw, we saw that uh, Paul mentioned that he presses on, right, no matter what. He presses on towards the goal of the upward call in Christ. And then um, we saw that Paul forgets what lies behind, right? He forgets what lies behind, and he has counted all of that as loss as in his previous life of being a Pharisee and all that, but just forward to what Christ has for him to do. Paul says he's not perfect, right? He hasn't obtained this. He hasn't attained this yet. Um, but he reaches forward anyways, right? He keeps reaching forward um, after that. So I'm going to read the passage this morning. Um, it is Philippians. Let me get to it. Uh, Philippians 3, 15 through, I'll have it up there, through 21. That's the end of the passage, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. I'm just making sure, right? I know, I know the Bible. I don't, I don't want to teach <laughs> it. Okay. Um, <clears> okay. <throat> So it says this. It says, "Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained, brethren. Join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk whom um, of whom I have often told you, and now even tell you, weeping, that are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose god is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things." For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory, by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we have here to uh, read your word and study it and apply it in our lives and have this good fellowship with other believers here. I pray... Um, that as we go through this passage this morning, that you would just speak through me. It wouldn't be me up here just talking, but that you would encourage or convict everyone in here as needed, God. pray that we would apply this in our lives and that we'd have um, just a good time of, of setting your word, God. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> so he starts out, right? He starts out and he says, Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. Whoa, whoa, whoa. right. He said he literally just said, I'm not perfect, right? If you look back, look back in verse um, 13. Uh, or verse four twelve actually, I've not already attained it, or I've already become perfect, but I press on. And then he says, "Let us therefore as many are perfect." Right. Um, so what does this mean? Right. Well, the word perfect also be translated mature. Right. Or mature, if you're maybe more Um So it could be mature. So who has actually who has mature in their Bible here? Right. Wow, a good number of y'all. Right. So I'm reading out of the NASB here, and it, it has perfect. There, but has a little um, superscript that says also mature so um, so it says how many uh, as many who are mature Paul says to have this attitude if you don't have it then God will reveal that to you as well if you don't have it in anything so we have to figure out what attitude he's talking about right not like just a general attitude like a teenager right um, but this attitude like right? have this attitude and so <clears throat> what attitude makes the most sense well look on look at verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus, right? It says, let us, therefore, have this attitude, right? Have this attitude, as many as are mature. So this idea that you forget what lies behind and you press on towards the prize that that Christ has for us in God, right? Or God has for us in Christ. Um, This idea that I'm not perfect, right? I'm not perfect, but I keep on going, keep on going. So it says, as many as are mature, have this attitude, so he's, he's, this, um, he's also referencing the idea that Christ's attitude of humility right, and obedience is something we should have in us. Right? Didn't he say that earlier? He said, listen, um, basically in, in chapter 2, I believe, says that you, know, you should follow the same attitude that Christ has when he obeyed in humil- humility, um, obeyed, Christ, obeyed God, the Father. So the question we have to ask right, is, who is Paul talking to in verse 15? Yeah, mature believers there. Many of us who are perfect, or who are mature, have attitudes. So the Philippians are actually a great group of faithful believers. We've seen that all the way through. That he's been talking about how we've been partners in ministry this whole time. You've been supporting me from day one. He says that I know that you're going um, to continue to do good works as you've been doing it this whole time. At the beginning, he says that. Um, and so. He's talking to these faithful believers. And he tells them, if you're mature, have this mind of keep on pressing forward, right? To keep on pressing forward. Know that sanctification, right? Being made more, more Christ-like is not a process that you that you reach when, when you're done, right? You're like, okay, cool. I'm mature enough that I'm just going to stop, right? He says, no, like, I keep pressing forward. I'm not perfect. I'm going to keep pressing forward. Let's let all people who are mature keep doing that, right? Don't get complacent with where you're at and think, I've reached it, right? I'm better than people around me, so I reached it. Well, might have a pride issue then, right? <laughs> One thing to work on. So he said it's a lifelong process. Sanctification is a lifelong process. That's what I have is the first blank. We have um, note sheets at the back if you want to fill in the blanks and stuff like that. So um, so sanctification is a lifelong process. If anyone thought they were done progressing right, or, or thought that they were maybe <coughs> thought in a different way um, than, than what, what Paul had said, He says, ah, God will reveal it to you, right? He says, uh, if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Paul understands that these are mature believers, right? He actually trusts enough that that God is going to handle it in their lives. He knows that they're seeking God enough to be like, listen, if if there's anything that you're like, ah, I'm good, right? I don't need to mature enough. Then he's like, I trust that God's going to be the one to show you that, no, actually, you're not perfect, right? You actually do need to keep on going, keep on maturing. Um, so Paul says this, he says, listen, as many of us that are spiritually mature, let's have the same attitude of pressing on, to pressing forward, becoming more and more Christ like. If anyone has an idea or something that is contrary to this, I trust that God's gonna reveal it to you. Right? God's gonna reveal it to you. That makes sense? See that? Okay, cool. And he says this, he says, however, verse 16, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. He says that he says, in any case. Paul says that we should keep living at the same standard of maturity we've already reached. So don't go back to the life of spiritual immaturity you were in, or backwards in your progress, right? But keep pressing on. Keep going on. He says this, if you've reached a level of spiritual growth, that's what you want to maintain, right? You've been growing, you've been been seeking after Christ. He says, keep on doing that. You've already attained this this maturity uh, as a group of believers, right? This is a mature Group of believers she's talking to. What, what's the theme of uh, Philippians? Thankfulness and encouragement. All right, Thankfulness. What? What's the thankfulness for? How well, they've been serving God through serving Him. Yeah, they've been supporting Him and serving Him. They sent a whole dude to Him, right? <laughs> uh, like sent a Paphroditus to come and like encourage Him, and he came with like um, money and help for Paul as he's in prison. The Paphroditus got super sick. And they are worried about him. But then he got better, so it's fine. And uh, they sent him back to him with this letter. So, um, But we see that right they've been serving faithfully, and they've been helping Paul. And they've been growing. And he says, listen, y'all are mature believers. You've been growing. You've been faithful to serve Christ. Keep on going. Don't go back, right? Keep living by the same standard you've attained. Keep on going there. Um, if you get complacent, then you aren't growing. Right? If you're like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to grow anywhere. You aren't growing at all. In fact, you're probably regressing in your spiritual growth. So it says, keep living at the same standard of pressing forward, of keep on going. JB has a great um, phrase that applies to this, that I've said quite a few times now. You've probably heard it. But it says, if you aren't being consciously transformed by the Word, then you will subconsciously be conformed to something. If you aren't consciously being transformed by the Word, by God, then you will subconsciously be conformed to something, right? to anything else. And so we need to stay in the Word, right? Stay in the Word, keep seeking Christ. You and I never reach perfection, but our goal is to grow. Right? And this life, as we're here on this earth, we're never going to reach perfection. where We do everything exactly right, but our goal is to grow and to be made more and more Christ-like. Does that make sense? Yeah. See that? So there might be another phrase that some of y'all have about living in unity of mind here. Uh, you don't have that phrase in their Bible about like let's keep on going in unity or something like that or having the same mind in there. Let us be of the same mind. Yeah, let us be of the same mind. There, I think you use KJV or NKJV. Is that what you're using? New King James version. Yeah, New King James version. Um, so that's in there. Uh, most Bibles don't have that actually. Um, so that's why like no one else was, was um, seeing that they had that in their Bible. And and the Greek doesn't really contain that. Uh, so I went into the Greek, and it literally says, in any case, let us be conformed to the same thing we've attained. And that's the whole verse there. Uh, so I'm not really sure why that's in there. I mean, it applies. He literally said the exact same thing earlier within the, within the um, letter he's written. But just if you're curious about that and why I'm not going over that, that's why. So he says, listen, as many of us are spiritually mature, let's keep on pressing forward. Let's not just get to where we stop and get like a, a dead in the water, basically, right? We want to keep on moving forward. to keep on pushing towards the goal um, that we have in Christ Jesus. And so uh, he says, if you have any other attitude, then God will reveal it to you, right? If you're pressing towards God, he's going to work in your life and reveal things to you that you need to work on. And then he says, let's live by that same standard, right? However, in any case, let's keep living by the same standard of growth that you've been at. Sometimes when we get to a point where um, we've been working on a certain area of our life a lot, Right. We get to the point where we're like, oh, I'm doing pretty well on this. I don't need to be as rigorous. I don't need to actually set these alarms to get up on time or to, to go to remind myself to do this. So we're like, oh yeah, I'll just be fine. How well does that normally work? <laughs> Not well, right? Like I've been getting up just fine. I don't need to set five alarms anymore, I can just the one. And then one time, instead of pressing snooze, you press off by accident and then like that's it, right? It's done for. Um, So, right, it says, in any case, in your spiritual life, keep on pressing forward. Keep being diligent for that growth that you want to have, that same standard that you've attained. So Paul then has a transition statement. And it goes with what we just heard and with what's coming next because it's a transition statement. His brethren, right, in verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. He says, join in following my example, right? It says, imitate me, imitate Paul, right? And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. So not just Paul, but also people who are living a spiritually mature life. And so it's good for believers uh, to strive to be more mature, once more, more mature, to follow the example of mature believers, of other mature believers. Paul encourages them to follow his example, and not just him, him, but others who follow in the pattern of humility and obedience, He's been talking about this entire letter, right? This entire letter is talking about how we need to be humble, right? In humility of mind. Um, Consider others as more important than yourself. Follow on the same example that we have in Christ, who, um, although exists in the form of God, did not consider that a thing to be grasped or to, like, ascertain, basically. And instead, he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? It says, follow that example, right? Also, this is not a suggestion here. It's like, hey... Ah, you should maybe do this, right? That might be kind of good. In fact, this is, these two things are the only commands that what's called an imperative in the Greek. And it's the only two commands that we have in this entire passage. Everything else, are things we should follow, things we should do. But these are the only two commands he has here. And he says, one, follow my example, right? Join in following my example. Two, observe those who walk in the same pattern of humility and of obedience and growth. So find those people who you admire for their spiritual maturity, right? We talk about these people who um, we kind of discuss them with other people around us about people who were, we admire the certain area of their life, right? We admire what they do here. We see so many books on like how I've managed my blank, right? Like if you see out there people to help, people like, oh yeah, I need help on this. Or it's like, you know, time management for dummies, whatever. And so it's like, you know, all this experience, all things that we want to get better on, but then really... There's something true to that, right? If you have someone who's doing something well, you're like, how are they doing that, right? I want to do that well. So I'm going to learn from their experiences. So find people who you admire for their spiritual maturity and see how they deal with situations. Maybe sit down and talk with them um, to get some of their wisdom sometimes. There are many people in this church who have a lot of spiritual wisdom and are very spiritually mature, and they can be a great resource for you in your walk and in your spiritual growth there. I'm a firm believer in this thing that's called discipleship. Right? Partially because it's like biblical. Right? Um, but also it's following what Paul says here and in, in 2 Timothy 2.2 where he says, These things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? So it's like, you've heard these things from me, Paul says, now entrust these to others who then entrust these to others who will keep on going. Right. And so it's basically passing on what we've learned. Passing on what we've learned, passing on our wisdom, the experiences that we've had and how we've dealt with them in a God-glorifying way. Or not in a God-glorifying way and how that wasn't good. Right? And so we should take what Paul says here in Timothy and apply it in our lives. We need to be training others with what we've learned and need to be um, trained by someone who is more spiritually mature. Either way, if you're interested, right, in meeting with someone, uh, maybe less rich or mature, maybe newer in the faith, or um, being trained by someone who's more mature, maybe uh, older in the faith, let me know, right? And we can get that, that paired up and that, and that started, that conversation going and stuff. Because really, we should all have someone both pouring into us and someone that we're pouring into. That's the goal. So Paul says to follow his example and observe others um, who walk in a mature way, in a spiritually mature way. Let's do the same thing. Follow his example of humility. Right? Paul lived a, um, a pretty crazy life. Right? We're going to get on to it more later in chapter 4 about kind of describing his life and what it looked like. Um, but it was it was insane. And he did it all to serve Christ. Well, after he got saved. Right? for that, he was against Christians. He was killing <laughs> believers. Um, So follow his example of humility and look for other faithful, mature believers, because they aren't all in the Bible, right? There are mature believers around us in this church and the community that we can look up to. Now, Paul just said that because he's about to warn them about people who are against the cross of Christ, He says, follow the faithful believers, because not everyone is, right? Not everyone is. Look in verse eighteen. For many walk of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose god is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame. Who set their minds on earthly things. So, what was the issue earlier in this chapter, in this book, um, that Paul was dealing with, um, as far as like people coming in and being like, hey, there's these people, there's this group coming in, and what were these people claiming? Right, you have to to do this certain thing. You have to be circumcised to be saved. That was it. People are coming in. They're like, Hey, okay, faith in Christ. That's it. Okay, you'll be saved. But do this thing, right? Or but circumcised. Maybe follow the law some too. Follow at least the Ten Commandments, right? Do these certain things, and that's how you're actually going to be saved, right? Do these things. And you see in Galatians that Paul, Paul gets sassy. Um, about these people. And he's like, I'm amazed that you've abandoned the gospel for another, which isn't even another gospel, right? It doesn't actually say because it's a gospel of works, right? You have to do these things. It's not good news if you have to do something. Then it means that you have to work for something, and it's no longer a gift if you have to work for it and all that stuff. But he got finished dealing with what's called legalism, right? You need to do these things to be saved. Legalism. And he got finished dealing with that earlier in in this... um, And now he goes to the opposite extreme, right? He says he moves on to the opposite extreme, which is lawlessness. You can do whatever, right? Do anything that you want to do, anything that pleases you, just go. Um, He says this. He says many people, right, many walk. Um, So it it seems to indicate that they are not within the Philippian church. Or he'd be like, many of you walk, right? Or like, hey, guys, stop doing this, right? Uh, So it seems like they're not within the Philippian church there. However, it doesn't specify whether these are Christians or not, okay? Whether these people are Christians or if they're not Christians. And let's, let's think about this. If he's talking about unbelievers, right? Saying unbelievers walk in this way um, who are uh, enemies of the cross of Christ and destruction, God's appetite, whose glory is in their shame, all this stuff. He tells them now weeping. Um, do you think he would be speaking to the Philippians in this way? Right? If it's like, hey, unbelievers are enemies of the cross of Christ, Right? Can you I'm saying this weeping to you. So do you think you'd be talking to the Philippians this way? Of course, unbelievers are against the cross. right? That's just a given. If you're not a believer, you're not living for Christ, ultimately. They're not saved. They are contrary to God and His will. But Paul is distressed here. He right? says, I'm telling you, I'm telling you weeping. And, and it leads me to believe that these are believers who are living for the flesh. Right? Because, of course, Paul doesn't like that unbelievers are living against Christ, but that's no surprise. Right? If you're an unbeliever, you're going to be against against the cross of Christ. But he's saying, I'm distressed that these people are living contrary to the gospel, contrary to the cross. Um, they're enemies to the cross of Christ. Uh, this word means they're hostile to the cross of Christ. Um, what, so, notice it doesn't just say contrary to Christ, but contrary to the cross. Right? What does the cross symbolize? You know, humility, right, and obedience. He said that earlier, right? He said, listen, Christ um, was humble and obeyed to the point of death, death, even death on a cross, right? So they're contrary to this idea of being humble and obeying God. They don't live in obedience like Christ's example shows us, but rather they live a life of liberality, right? They're like, you can do whatever, right? It doesn't matter. to do whatever they please. So my opinion is that these are actually believers he's talking about. That are, that are living in a way that's contrary to the cross of Christ. They're not living for that sanctification or pressing forward. They're just like, do whatever you want, right? Who cares? And look at this list of things. It said this. He says, they're enemies of the cross of Christ, so they're not following that example of humility and of obedience, whose end is destruction. So, what kind of destruction? Well, if it's unbelievers, what is their end? Yeah, like a fire, eternal separation from God, and like, that's it, right? If you're an unbeliever, if they're believers, discipline from God, maybe even an early death. We see in the scripture there's times whenever people do things, uh, right? Ananias and Sapphira, right? Those are the that's the people who in Acts who were like, we're going to give all the money to the church from our land. It's like, but did you? And they're like, yes. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, <laughs> dead, right? And like that's it. And the spouse came in and they're like, we gave all of our money. And they're like, but did you? And they're like. Yes, and like, okay, you're gonna die at the same place your, hus- or your husband did, right? Yeah, I came in. So your husband did, and so right. So we see that there's there's a lot of times if you're disobeying, there is a consequence and a discipline from God. Sometimes at the point of death. And if you live in a way that's contrary to God, and constantly living your life even as a believer in a way that's just liberal uh, liberality, right, of just saying i can do whatever my flesh wants me to do, then consequence might be destruction in that way, of an early death. So, if unbelievers right, eternal separation from God, if believers discipline from God, their end is destruction, whose God is their appetite. The second one, right? Whose God is their appetite. They only care about serving what the flesh craves, the loss of the flesh. Their allegiance is not to Jesus Christ or to God the Father, right? And to serving Him, but to whatever they want. There's a quote that says from um, uh, Henry, Henry Ironsides. I think his first name was Henry. I oh, don't know. Anyways, Ironsides. And he says... Um, the man's God is to whoever, whoever he gives himself to, right? So you give yourself to whatever you give your whole self to. Say, hey, I'm going to do whatever this wants me to do, right? That's your God. That's the idol you're placing in your life. It says their God is their appetite, right? Their flesh. The literal word here is belly, right? Uh, so it's their flesh. Whatever they want to do, they just do it. They serve that instead of God. Then third, they said, whose glory is their shame, or is in their shame? So the things that should bring them shame... Things, things that are shameful. Right? They find satisfaction and enjoyment in. Right? We see a lot of this in the world today, don't we? People revel in what is shameful. in participating or doing acts that are full of shame, right? Like, this is not good. And they're like, look what I'm doing. It's great. Post on social media, right? Um, maybe put a little thing around a profile picture or something of whatever. Um, but it's like, these are shameful things. And yet, it's like, this is great, right? And they're, they're celebrating it and glorying in it. Ultimately, I think this last one sums it all up. Right? The last one is they set their minds on earthly things. They're concerned about the here and the now. They don't consider it a spiritual thing, they don't consider it eternal things. They're like, hey, whatever I can do now, I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to get gain on this earth. Whatever this world wants me to do and to to be respected in their eyes or to look good in their eyes, to glory in their eyes, I'm going to do that thing. That's what their focus is on, not on the eternal things. And ultimately, living for the flesh means you live for earthly things. You live for the here and the now and not eternal things. Not living um, for the goal of eternity and for pressing forward to the prize that we have in Christ Jesus. Instead, you're living... For things, so I had the privilege of sharing um, the gospel at Walk Around um, on Friday night, and there was a, a concert going on, and uh, I spoke in between two of the bands that they had there. I talked about how all great these decorations were. Right? Have, did y'all anybody go to Walk Around and see like the amazing whatever they had? Um, what are they called? Decks, decks right? House decks. Um, and stuff and I thought about how wow so much effort was put into this, they've been welding for like a month, they're doing all night pumps and stuff all to be taken down next week right? and it was like ooh right? some people still had bags under their eyes from, from working all, all week on that thing but ultimately right, how life we work and we work and we work for things and they're over and that's it, they pass away but I talked about how we were meant for more than just those things, than just earthly things that are just going to pass away things we do on earth can impact eternity And that's what our goal should be, right? Things we do now to impact eternity for good. And we can do things on earth that impact eternity or things that are just temporary and only for our own flesh. But our goal is eternity, right? We're going to impact that. So Paul describes these people who I think are believers um, and who are using their freedom in Christ to self-indulge, right? To do whatever they want. They act as a sharp contrast to Paul and the other believers he's talked about. He says, follow these faithful believers, don't just be like this, right? These people are are disciplined, are diligent to, to press on towards Christ. Don't be like these people who are opposed to the cross of Christ, who are like, no, don't do anything. Just live for your flesh. So their end is destruction. They serve their own fleshly lust. They glory in shameful acts, and ultimately, they set their mind on earthly things. Can you think of anyone or any group of people, maybe, who you know that lives like this, describes him pretty well. Who well, can one name one. someone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 right? No. Yeah. So, right, Paul, Paul reminds them, though. He says, listen, your focus is not on the temporal. Your focus is not on the earthly things or on the flesh. Your focus is on the eternal. Look at Philippians uh, 3.20 um, and 21. So, it says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from, whom, uh, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformed with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. So Paul says, listen, don't focus on these earthly things, right? Focus on the eternal, on the heavenly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. If your citizenship is in heaven, and that's where we're going to be for eternity, you think we should probably focus on where we're going to be for eternity, don't be in heaven for eternity, but you get know what I'm saying, right? We're going to be with, we're going to be eternally with God. We should focus there. Colossians three one says that if you've been raised with Christ, he says, if basically, and you have been raised with Christ, then keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You've been raised with Him, so seek Him. Right? Our life is in Christ. I did that a lot last week, didn't we? In Him, in Christ. That so says that all throughout Scripture. So focus on the things that are in him, things that glorify him. And see what Paul says, right? He says, from heaven we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're waiting for Christ to come. And when he does, he will transform our fleshly body as of right now into conformity with the body of his glory. So when Christ will transform our current bodies into glorified bodies when he comes. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says this, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. All right? So when Christ is revealed, you also will be revealed with him in glory. Glorified bodies. So I have this idea um, of uh, when we get our glorified bodies, right? It says when he appears, you'll get that glorified body. There's so many ways. Through uh, First Corinthians, um, multiple passages, of course, here, and in Colossians and 1 Thessalonians and stuff. But right, we have this outline that you've probably seen on screen in, in church a lot. But we have um, the Old Testament, right? Right here. And we're going through and then Christ came. And he rose again. Oh, well, there's an arrow there. Um, and then where are we now? The church, the church, church. age, right? Church, that was a mystery and it talks about that all throughout There there's a mystery of the church age that like um, that God would be us and Gentiles to be all believers Jews and Gentiles not just the Jewish nation that were chosen to serve God but now the church is too right so we're here the church age and then uh, at one point it says in the twinkling of an eye um, that the dead in Christ will be rise first and that we who are alive and remain will be caught up with him in the clouds right and so this is Christ's first coming to the earth and then we have that we're caught up with him where? In the clouds. In the clouds right? So is this Christ second coming to the earth? No, no. no, right? He's not on the earth. He's in the clouds. Right. So that's called the rapture, right? So we're, that's actually when we are transformed and we're changed into the body of his glory, right? In the same as his glory. And then there's a bunch of bad stuff, right? And then we have a second coming. Um, but tribulation, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not going into that today because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this part right here. Well, we're caught up with in the clouds and we get our um, glorified bodies there so there's a, there's a little handout that has this whole outline and all the verses that along with it on the back there if you're interested in that and there's also a video that's on youtube that somehow you can get i don't know math asked ask me for it that we did a end times overview if you're interested in any of this but anyways right now we see that this is when we get our glorified bodies um there are many passages like I said, First Corinthians and Colossians obviously do then first Thessalonians and Matthew and like all this stuff um, he will take us and we are um, made like his glorified body right? it says that we're made like his glorified body First Corinthians fifteen talks about how in the twinkling of an eye we will be transformed from the perishable into the imperishable right? perishable into the imperishable or corruptible into the incorruptible by what power. Does he do this? The power which he has even to subject all things to himself. Right. says it in the verse. <laughs> easy, easy, um, easy answer there. Bonus points for canon. Um, so it says, um, by the same power, right? By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Hebrews 1, three says that Christ upholds everything by the word of his power. The reason why we know that gravity stays gravity and doesn't just change all of a sudden um, is because he upholds it. right? The reason we know that everything that we understand about nature is a law of nature is because he upholds it. It isn't some random chance of particles, but Christ upholds it by the word of his power. All is subject to him. And at one point, at some point, he will be over all. He comes back. He'll be the ruler, and, and everything will be subject to him that is on the earth. So with that same power, he has to do that. He says that's how he transforms us into the glory, uh, his same glory, in the glorified bodies. So who is the God of this earth right now? Satan, Satan, right? It says that. It says the God of this world. It's talking about Satan. He's blinded the eyes of people. And so um, right now, if you look in the world, would you say that, like, yeah, God is reigning, probably, right? Everything's going pretty well, right? The world, it's just great. No issues. No, right? Look at the leadership um, over everywhere in the world, and you're like, yeah, there could be some improvements, probably, <laughs> right? to be maybe understated. Um, but we see in First Corinthians fifteen twenty-eight, it says this When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself, Christ, will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him. Right? The one is a capital O, so it's from God the Father, right? So when all things are subjected to Christ, um, the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. Right? So God may be all in all. Christ subjects all things under himself, then Christ is subject to the Father. Right? Christ did the Father's will. We saw that when he died on the cross. Right? It was not my will, but your will, God. Just like he did um, when he was humble and obeyed to the point of death, even death on a cross. Okay, so Paul starts off and says this, right? He says, keep the attitude. Keep the same attitude that, you, that we see. The attitude of continually striving to know Christ better and better. Don't get complacent and think, I reached it, right? I'm good. I'm good enough. Right? You can always be striving to be better and be more Christ-like. Paul tells them how um, they need to follow the examples they've been given in, in him and other faithful believers. They've already given other examples, haven't they? They said the example of Christ, the example of Timothy, Right? The example of Epaphroditus and the example of Paul. And he says, follow those people, right? mature believers. Others, he says, walk against the cross of Christ. They walk against humility and they don't want to obey. Instead, they fulfill their fleshly desires and set their minds on earthly things. But he says, the earth isn't where our citizenship is at. Right? We're a citizen of heaven. That's not where our hope is set. We have a hope set in Christ. And we know that one day he will come. And that he will transform our moral bodies into a body like his glorified body, right? With no flesh, no sin, and no corruption. And that's our hope. That's what we're gonna live for too, right? We Make a whole bunch of money on this earth, and when we die, what happens to it? It's still there, right? It goes to someone else, right? You can live inheritance for your kids. Proverbs says it's a good to live inheritance for your kids, right? But then Ecclesiastes says, but who knows if they're gonna squander it, right? <laughs> give them a, a million dollars and it's like well a week later it's gone and they're in jail right who knows um, so you don't know how things are going to work there's no way and so you can do all you want to do to do good for this earth but ultimately it's going to pass away the eternal things won't right? living for christ won't let's do that some application right? let's keep pursuing christ it says, keep on going, right? Have the same attitude. Even if you're spiritually mature and you're like, I'm doing pretty well, right? Keep on going. You're not perfect. Right? You suck. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know, but, but really, right? So you can keep on going. It's a daily task of pressing on towards the, His call in our lives. Let's read the Word. Let's pray and serve Him and others, right? Love Him and love others. Also, secondly, Hopefully, if you're writing this down, you're good. Observe and imitate faithful believers. Right? Observe and imitate faithful believers. Get to know those who you look up to as spiritual leaders. Um, also, don't imitate those who use their freedom as a license to sin. Right? Paul warned against that. Those people who end in destruction, whose god is their appetite, and all that. Don't imitate those people, but rather imitate those faithful believers that you see as spiritual leaders. It can be easy sometimes to imitate those who live for this for this world right we see them and we're like hey what they just know they are having kind of fun right and maybe um they seem to be getting a lot that uh would be great to maybe have so but then you see that well ultimately what they're doing is for the flesh okay so i have a couple questions that we're going to talk about um, and we only have like six minutes so maybe we'll just talk about it in here No no groups. But it says, In what areas of your life have you stopped pursuing godliness? And how can you better strive to be like Christ in those areas? And then, What ways do you wish to imitate Paul and other faithful believers more? And how are you tempted to follow after the people who act as the verses 3, 18 through 19 describe? So I'm going to pray and then we'll...